and we are recording in progress recording ba, 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 ba. we are recording on tuesday march 28th 2023 at 5:03 p.m eastern time with dr Rainer Zutermann, which is an awesome name. I think I did good pronouncing that, uh, pronounce, uh, enunciating that. And uh, guys, as, as always, real quick, if you're watching on Rumble, click that little red button. You can. Uh... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply support the podcast get exclusive content for like a couple bucks a month promo code tommy but we were just talking beforehand you 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 acknowledged and uh expressed love for the flag behind me and i said i always have it up and most people my age aren't proud of their country and you made a great point which i think would be great to start with and it's conservatives tend to you're right almost make the sin of apologizing for not being a leftist. And conversely, a leftist shouldn't have to apologize for not being conservative. There is a yes. there's a hesitancy to defend one's own opinion. I don't know how it is in the United States, but here we have a lot of this talk shows in TV. And if you see a conservative and a leftist, the conservative is leading forward. Oh, maybe we are more on the same page as you think. We don't disagree so much. The leftists never do. They attack, attack, attack. I think this is what we what we should do. And, you know, this is one reason why I wrote my book in defense of capitalism, because I think capitalism is a great system. And capitalism is also what made the United States the, the, the greatest nation. But I think a lot of people forgot it and they don't know today why capitalism is a much better system than any other system. Yeah, it's. And even that is something that no one should apologize for. I mean, there's a there's a re I got into medical school in 2013 and I decided not to go. And 10 years later, I have this podcast and it's just now starting to succeed. I did this. I mean, personal incentive. I want to be my own boss. I want it to be free and I want to make money doing what I love. I didn't do this out of the kindness of my heart or because I thought it would be fun. I did this because I wanted to and personal incentive is what drives society forward. You don't have to like it. No country has ever been as wealthy as this country. No country has poor people who are also fat. That is our marker of success, I believe. Yes, and but the you know the bad news is I I saw the the index of economic freedom some weeks ago. You know, I, I don't know whether you know it's published every year by the Heritage Foundation in the United States in this ranking from all countries in the world, how economically free they are. And I tell you one thing, United States in the last ranking published a few weeks ago has the worst ranking since they started since 1995. Wow. The worst ranking. And even today, 16 European countries, 16 European countries are more economically free than the United States. What doesn't mean that Europe is economically free. On the contrary, in Europe, we go in a totally wrong direction to like to a planned economy. But even if even today, 16 European countries are more economically free than the United States, 
then you see there's something going in it, but I don't have to tell you, going in a totally wrong direction. Um, and um, in, in defense of capitalism, what are your thoughts on what is happening now with the banking system? What, what, what is the cause of this? Does this change your position on the defense of capitalism? Does it strengthen it? What, what are your two cents on this? No, I, I expected this question, of course, it's a good question. And uh, some years ago in 2000, in 2018, I wrote another book, The Power of Capitalism. And uh, please allow me only to, to read very few sentences from this book. Yeah, go, no, go for it. Take, the take all your time. I, I wrote there, misdiagnosing the causes of the financial crisis means that the proposed therapies are also wrong. The financial crisis was caused by excessively low interest rates, heavy-handed market interventions, and over-indedness. Are we seriously to believe that the right therapy involves even lower interest rates, stronger market interventions, and more debt? These measures may well have a short-term impact, but markets are becoming increasingly dependent on low interest rates. Such low interest rates do nothing to solve the underlying problems. They only suppress the symptoms and push them into the future. The current combination of overly excessive regulation and interest rates of zero will cause considerable medium-term problems for many banks and is breeding ground for new, even more severe crisis. This is what I wrote some years ago. This is what I expected because this is the crazy policy of the Federal Reserve, also from other central central banks. They behave like planning authorities in a planned economy and leave the economy alone. This is what, what caused all those problems. And But of course, you know, the worst thing is in the end, they, how do you say, in the end, they violate the principles of capitalism. And then in the end, they blame capitalism. It's like the thief is shouting, stop the thief. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. And w which then begs the question, are we, are you and I naive to point that out? And is that the very purpose of it? Do you, is the thief saying stop the thief so the thief can get away? Are these central banks destroying capitalism and the freedom that normally goes in hand with that by the very design, by some sort of Marxist ideology or top-down fat, whatever we want to call it, a, a utilitarian, not utilitarian, totalitarian government control structure? Do they want to collapse the economy? Do they want to collapse democracy? Do they want central bank digital currencies? Do they want, you know, you'll want a pandemic so you can introduce the vaccine passport. Are they doing problem reaction solution? I, th I, I don't think there's a, that there's a larger plan behind it, but I think it's a combination of ideolo ideology and absolutely incompetence from these politicians. And the real problem is, what happens at universities, what happens in main, mainstream media. And I give you an example. I, I have lectures all over the world about this topic, defending capitalists. I have it in the United States. Thursday, I go back to Washington, Boston and New York. I have some lectures. I have it in Asia and Europe, Latin America. And wherever I am, I ask the people one thing. Have you heard at school? about Mao Zedong's so-called Great Leap Forward in China in the end of the 50s. 45 million people died as a result of the biggest socialist experiment in history. And wherever I speak, 
whether it's in Asia, whether it's in United States, Europe, Latin America, whether I speak to 30 people, 300 or 3,000, there are only very few people who raise their hand. They haven't heard something about it at school. They have heard a lot about the evils of capitalism, but not what happened in socialism. And this was the reason, in addition to this book, I produced a film. The, the, uh, everyone can Google it in the audience. It's Life Behind the Berlin Wall. Life Behind the Berlin Wall. I'm proud because we got a um, award for best short movie at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas last year. And I compare East and West Germany. People don't know it. Maybe I can ask you, what do we think? How long did you have to wait for a car in East Germany? What do you think? What th do you get? I think it was, if I remember correctly, I think it was 10 years. Yes, you're correct. Most people don't know it. The shortest time was 12 and a half years, then the longest time 17 years. So it was between 12 and a half and 17 years. The same time in West Germany, you can go to every car store like you can in the United States, buy a BMW or a Mercedes or a Volkswagen and take it with you. You had to wait between 12 and a half and 17 years. And in the end, you got the worst car in the world, you know, the Trubby, what was famous for being the worst car in the world. Or another thing, only 27% of people in East Germany, 1989, 1989, had to share their toilet with other people. They had not their own toilet. It's not 50 years ago. It's It was only 1989. Or another fact, only 16% had a telephone. I don't speak about cell phones. I speak about land. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And this for the party members. They had a telephone. And these are facts. I think people should hear something about it at school. And then another thing. You know, my book here, I can I can show this is, you know, this is this is uh, my book here, Defense of Capitalism. This book starts with one chapter. Capitalism is to blame for hunger and poverty. This is what anti-capitalists will tell us. The truth is, before capitalism, 200 years ago, 90% of the worldwide population lived in extreme poverty. 90%. Today, it's less than 10%. And half of this reduction happened over the last decades. I think this is great. So I, I have, like you have your flag, I have a t-shirt, not today, but I have a t-shirt. I love capitalism. So, and you know, I don't defend, yes, uh, capitalism is not so bad. No, it's really a great system because it's the best in the fight against poverty. And, you know, and so I have 10 chapters in my book to refute all these myths against capitalism step by step for example one chapter is about inequality the other chapter about environmental problems and climate change another chapter about monopolies and 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 i didn't wrote it to convince anti-capitalists i had another interview a few days ago and someone asked me do you believe you can be you can convince some anti-capitalists i don't know i don't i don't think so and then he asked me so why do you write a book when you don't think that you can convince people 
I wrote it for people like you and people to listen to us who are pro-market economy to uh, to provide with all the facts, with all the arguments that you need to win every discussion with anti-capitalists. And I can guarantee if you read the book, you will win every single discussion because, you know, it's it's based on science. I'm a historian, sociologist. I have two PhDs. The book is with uh, 900 footnotes, 360 books bibliography, but it's written in the same easy way. Like if you can understand me, in spite of my accent, what I'm saying, then you can understand the book. Everyone can understand it who can read USA Today, for example, or Medium. But you have so much facts in this book that you can win every discussion, whether it's about climate change, poverty, inequality, monopolies, whatever. I love your accent. I, your accent's badass. <laughs> your accent's badass, man. I, I have people. I have. Uh, there's an Italian guy, Leo Zagami, who comes on here, and he always apologizes for his accent. And I'm like, I love it. Don't just like you shouldn't apologize for being conservative, <laughs> or don't yes. apologize for your accent, man. Your accent's awesome. Yes, uh, here I tell you one thing. Before I produced this film, Life Behind the Berlin Wall, people said, Ah, but you have this accent. I said, Okay. Arnold Schwarzenegger, when he came to the United <laughs> States, he had also a strange accent, maybe yeah. even more than me. Yeah. But he was very successful. He became one of the best-paced actors. And I'll tell you another thing. Arnold Schwarzenegger, this time, why did he come to the United States? Because this was the land of his hope. Mm -hmm. Because this was the land of capitalism. This was the time from Ronald Reagan, for me, the best president ever for the United States. And this, that He came there. And now... He came from Austria, and this Austria was for him too much socialism. And I mentioned before this index of economic freedom. And do you know what happened in the meantime? In this index of economic freedom, today United States is even worse than Austria. Maybe Arnold Schwarzenegger will go back to Austria because he just said the United States is too much socialist. Let's go back to Austria. That might that would be the that would be the turn of all turns. Could you maybe for myself and for my list because I have a I have a biology degree. Finance is not something I necessarily uh, handle well. Could you describe or define what uh, economic freedom is? What is the index of economic freedom? Why is this important that it's? Yes, uh, you can Google it on the internet. Uh, index of economic freedom by the Heritage Foundation. They, it's a ranking they created, the Heritage Foundation, since 1995. And there are 12 different criteria for economic freedom. So business freedom, labor regulation, taxes. It's not only one thing. There's are 12 different criteria. And it's a ranking. You can get it for free on the Internet. It's 500 pages. Very interesting. And for every country, you get the ranking. For example, the best countries there in this index is like Singapore, Switzerland, New Zealand, country like this, the worst, number 180, I think it's North Korea, Cuba, and Venezuela. And United States today is number 25, what is not so bad. But if you think that Sweden, even Sweden is number 10, and United States number 25. So I thought about something, you know, I... When I was in the United States, I heard this Bernie Sanders fans, Bernie, you know, Bernie Sanders. Mm -hmm. And he spoke about Nordic Scandinavian socialism. But according to this ranking, Sweden is more capitalist than the United States. Denmark is more capitalist than the United States. And 
if you compare Sweden and United States, I compare them both, the number of billionaires in Sweden, of course, adjusted to population, Sweden has only 10 million people there, is 60% higher in Sweden than in the United States, 60% higher. And last week, I read the new book from Bernie Sanders. This, the, the book is, It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitals. This is his new book. And in this book, there's a chapter. The chapter is, we should abolish all billionaires. We should have zero billionaires in the United States. But I'll tell you something. The only countries with zero billionaires in the world, it's Cuba, it's North Korea, and the poorest African countries. So if Bernie Sanders says we want to have zero billionaires, it means he want to make from United States either a socialist country, he says he's a socialist, or a country as the poorest African countries. And I think United States should be proud to have a lot of billionaires uh, today, but pay attention. Today, even in Beijing, there are more billionaires than in Iraq. And it's it's almost the same number now billionaires in China than in the United States. And I think you should be proud about that you have companies like Google, maybe or, or Microsoft or, or Emerson, that these people make a good job and they they you know for, for the consumers. And for me, capitalism is democracy, hundred percent democracy, because we as consumers we decide every day who is rich, who is poor. If you use Google, you make Larry Page and Sergey Brin rich. If you order something with Amazon, you make uh, you make um, uh, Jeff Bezos rich. If you buy a Tesla, maybe you make Elon Musk rich. Or if you use Microsoft, you make Bill Gates richer. If you don't want it, don't buy it. And this is democracy. And this is the difference for me between capitalism and all other systems. Because in capitalism, in the end, entrepreneurs and in the end, consumer decide what is produced. In a planned economy, politicians and government officials, they decide what is produced. And we go now in Europe, in the United States, exactly in this direction of a planned economy. Today, we have this European Parliament, they decided to forbid all combustion engines for cars. So that means politicians tell now the automotive industry what cars to produce. I think it will be a big disaster for Germany because you know how important our automobile industry is for us with Mercedes, BMW and Volkswagen. And when now crazy politicians in Brussels they decide what should be produced. You know what will be the outcome. And I think Joe Biden with his Green New Deal, he does the same thing. So this is the reason why I think it's time to defend capitalism. What will we see that will continue to make it go forward? So again, right now we're seeing, and I know very little about it, and I understand very little about it. But when the when the banks begin to to fall or or collapse or domino again all things i barely understand just full disclosure in what light does this shine on capitalism i know you said earlier that the central banks act in a non-capitalist way and then call foul with capitalism so that's an important caveat but 
what way if the whole system goes down globally and it knocks down all different economies in the same way i would imagine that's almost independent of a single economic ideology but what are we seeing now with let's say svb signature deutsche credit suisse how does that reflect cap and this is someone that's agreeing with you but just to play devil's advocate what it, how does that reflect on capitalism I think it's very dangerous because it's not only important what happens, but more important is the interpretation of what happened. Mm. And if mainstream media and if politicians, if they blame capitalism and if they tell us we need more state, more regulation, maybe to nationalize banks or whatever, then it's a further step in the direction of a planned economy. And uh, this this is uh, anyway, what happens in the last decades? You know, we had a great time. This were the 80s. We had Ronald Reagan in the United States. We had Maggie Thatcher in the UK. We had even Deng Xiaoping in China. He made some good economic reforms. Uh, 1981, 88% of people in China lived in extreme poverty. This was the result of socialism. 88%. Then he started with private property pro-market reforms today it's less than one percent who live in extreme poverty but now in china with this ggp they go back in the wrong direction more state united states they go in the direction more state in in europe more state and the funny thing is half year ago i've been in vietnam and you know vietnam they call themselves socialist and uh, the ruling party they call themselves communist but they were also very poor in the 90s. It was the poorest country in the world. And then they, they were smart. They started with pro-market reforms, introduced private property. Today, it's amazing development there in Vietnam. They call themselves socialists. But I guarantee you, it's harder to find a, a true Marxist in Vietnam than in the United States or in Europe. I was invited to university in Vietnam, and they had a workshop. And do you know where we were talking about how can we improve the image of rich people? This was their topic. Can you imagine a workshop in a university in the United States no, about this no, topic? No. No. And they, in Europe, no. No. And they had the idea, how can we improve it? It's and they had this big slogan, rich people, rich country. This was their slogan. They call yes. it covered it, but they are not so. Yeah. It's crazy. If if you have to go to Vietnam to find true capitalists <laughs> that that's that's wild yeah no you try to do that in america you have a bunch of people with blue hair lighting the campus on fire it's yeah it's but yeah that, yeah that is the reality is that is the case is is more wealth it, it raises everyone up again i think you do have to look at total total abject poverty percentages um you mentioned china Xi Jinping, you say he's bringing it back towards a higher percentage of individuals under poverty. In the result, I don't know whether this will be happening, but what he does now, you know, he goes in the direction of more state and the success in China. I have a good friend. He's professor for economy on Beijing University, and he's an admirer of Milton Friedman and Hayek. He's so very, you know, free market and he's a professor at university and he told me always our success in china was not because of the state but in spite of the state and this is 
what people in the West don't understand. I've been in China several times. And what even now politicians in China don't understand. All that progress was only because introducing private property, more market. This was the way for their economic success. If they go back now to more state, this will be dangerous not only for China, but also for Germany, for example, because we depend totally on Chinese economy. We, we, we sell much more cars in China than in Germany, for example. So this is why I wrote this book. Um, and it's published in 30 languages. I'm very proud of it. It's published in 30 languages. And I, I traveled to each of these countries to speak to the people. Last year, I've been in 17 countries. This year, I will go to 30 countries. And here, I'm, I'm also very proud. I have a quote here now on this book from Steve Forbes. And he said, I, I, I quote, one of the most important books in decades defending capitalism, Adam Smith would have been impressed and proud. And I'm proud about this quote by Steve Forbes, yes? Steve Jobs? No, Steve Forbes. Oh, Forbes, Forbes, sorry. No, Shops not, he's dead. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I know, I, I know. Um, yes. Yeah, no, Steve, and Steve Hawks, yes. It's still that's still badass. Yeah, and for everybody listening, uh, there is a link to the book in the description. You can you can go grab it. You said you went to seventeen last year, and you're going to go to more this year. What's what's your uh, kind of an aside? What what's your favorite place to go lecture? The favorite place? It's different places. I I told you I liked Vietnam. I like Poland. I like people in Poland because I've I was there last weekend. And we have we, we, we made a poll about the image of capitalism in different countries. And the most positive image of capitalism was in Poland from all the countries. They know what socialism means. And I was this weekend there. It was a great experience. They called it the capitalist weekend. And I was there, you know, as a, a speaker, I, I had the first big lecture. It was... And there are hundreds of people who embrace capitalism. They know what socialism means there in, in Poland. I love I, I, I love it. But here, I tell you a funny, another result from our survey. <clears throat> I will even go to Nigeria. I've never been there in, you know, in Africa, Nigeria. And we have this poll. And even people in Nigeria, they knew better than people here in Germany that capitalism is not to blame for hunger and poverty. We had a question, do you think that capitalism is to blame for hunger and poverty? In Germany, most people said, yes, it's capitalism. In Nigeria, they, they are smarter than we are. They know it's not capitalism. Well, they're faced, they're faced with the reality of it. It's very easy to criticize capitalism when you have a rich refrigerator full of food, you have clean yes. clothes on, you have a nice bed, you have a job, you have police, the city's not falling apart, the grocery stores are full. It is very easy to sit back and wax poetically about how evil capitalism is when you're not starving and hoping someone doesn't blow your head off and take your breadcrumbs. It's very, it is a luxury. One of the effects of capitalism is the luxury to criticize capitalism. Yes, and, and never someone went to jail because he criticized capitalism. You can criticize capitalism. You can do it. The mainstream media do it. But what is with the opposite? If you live in a socialist country you and you criticize the Gestapo. Yes, <laughs> then, then you have to go to jail. And 
you know, in the end, it's easy. I ask people always, why do you think that people fled from East Germany to West Germany? You know, two and a half million people fled. This was the reason why they had to build the wall, because two and a half million people went from East Germany socialist to capitalist West Germany. Have you ever heard about people who are going from South to North Korea because they hope for better life in North Korea? Or have you ever heard about someone to go from maybe from Chile to Venezuela because they think it's great in Venezuela? Or have you heard about someone going from Miami to Cuba, maybe for two weeks holidays, but not forever? And so you see it. And, and with Venezuela, it's one thing a lot of people don't know. I have these facts in my book. 50 years ago, 1970, Venezuela was one of the 20 richest countries in the world. One of the 20 richest countries, as rich as UK. Then they started slowly regulation, labor market regulation, and all this stuff, situation became worse. But then in 1999, they voted for Hugo Chavez as president. And all intellectuals, left-leaning intellectuals in the United States, Europe, they were so enthusiastic. They called it the socialism of 21st century. And even in Germany, we have a left-leaning party. They told us we should copy Venezuela, the economic system. You know what happened later? Inflation was 1 million percent, 1 million percent. 10 percent of people fled from Venezuela Democracy was abolished, abolished, no freedom of press anymore, no democracy, no free elections. This is what happens. And you know now what is the trick from the socialist? It, when this happens, they tell us then always, oh no, this wasn't true socialism. And this is what they do since 100 years, because there were 25 different socialist experiments in history. In Cuba, they did it in a different way than in Soviet Union. In China, in another way than in East Germany. In, in Albania, in another way than in Yugoslavia. They tried it 25 different times. And it failed time and again. And after it failed, they told, oh, sorry, this wasn't real socialism. Next time it will work. And I think this is this is crazy. I, I, imagine there's a housewife who bakes a cake and then she, she invites the guests and the guests have to warm it because something was wrong with the recipe. Then she understands, okay, I have to change a little bit with the recipe. Then she invites again guests, they have to warm it next week again. Then she invites guests, changes something with the recipe, guests warm it again. And then they, they, they get sick. And then they this housewife does it 24 times. You will say, no, this is crazy. There's no housewife in the world crazy as this. But this is what socialists did, doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results. And then they have another trick. They love to compare the reality with their utopia mm. or with the book. Um, if you discuss with them about socialism, they will tell you, no, in Cuba, this is not real socialism and the Soviet Union not and they're not. But I have here this book and in this book, in my utopia, it's written down how it should be. But it's the same. For example, I don't know. Uh, uh, may I ask you, are, are you married, sir? No. OK, you're not. Maybe someone is married. I ask people and then would you be surprised 
when you are when you come home this night and your wife tells you we, we have to talk and it's about divorce and i tell you why she started to read this romantic love novels <laughs> where people laugh you know they kiss every morning with breakfast and it's perfect harmony and then she compares your real life marriage with this book and then she says we have to be divorced because here is the book this is how it should be you would tell her hey what's going on you're crazy compare our marriage piece with this of our friends then it's okay and not with this book but this is what socialists do they compare it with a book uh, and and with an utopia and not with reality not like i do in my in my books in my film i compare east west germany or i compare china at mao's time and china after this and th that's not what they do and maybe a last thing for me you know when i travel to so many countries i have a lot of different experience and i was in argentina uh, last year and in argentina it's also a sad sad story argentina was 100 years ago it was as rich as the united states it was one of the two or three richest countries in the world argentina and then they started with their crazy peron policies socialist policies and they become poorer and poorer and poorer and today they expect everything from the government this is a big mistake they don't believe in themselves but have, they, they, they expect everything from the government from the state and you have to explain it to people in an easy way i had a lecture there in a in a city in argentina maybe 80 or 90 young people 20 to 30 years old and the first row there was someone a young man maybe at the beginning of 20s he wasn't really handsome so i thought maybe he has no girlfriend and i asked him hey do you have a girlfriend and he said no i don't have what i expected and then i asked him okay do you would like to have a real pretty girlfriend he said oh smiled yes of course and then i asked him who do you think will bring you this pretty girlfriend do you think the government will bring you the state and he said no he laughed i don't expect it uh, yeah and then i asked him what who do you think is responsible for getting this pretty girlfriend and he said that's me i think that's me yeah i said you understood it this is what i'm talking about it's not only with this girlfriend it's with money if it's with all important things don't expect it from the government don't expect it from the state it's your responsibility it's your task so you have to explain it to people in this easy way yeah yeah the government's just and i had this problem when i was younger i was you know oh the government should who is the gov the government's just other people it's a the government's tommy the government's reiner Zedelman. the government's just people they're just yeah. people and what do you think those people are doing do you think something magical happens when you leave a private corporation and you go to a, a government no you have self-interest you have special interests there yes. are bribes there are priorities the difference between a government-run system is you have one group of people in control who can screw everybody else in a market you have multiple people in control who might screw the market but they're also trying to screw each other and you indirectly, ben I benefit from Google and Apple hating each other. 
because I get a better phone at a cheaper price. I benefit from GM and Tesla both hating each other and trying to win the market for the, uh, the electric vehicle because I get a cheaper, better, faster vehicle. Humans are always going to develop into factions and try to screw over everybody else. You will never get rid of that hierarchy, that natural law. So I would rather be in the system that has multiple factions fighting each other and I can benefit from the friction between them rather than a top-down control system where they just screw all y'all and have a monopoly on violence and money. That's my absolutely, logic. Absolutely well explained. And if you speak about monopolies, uh, I have one chapter about monopolies in my book because this is another argument from anti-capitalists. They tell us capitalism leads to monopolies, like they mentioned Google or Emerson. These are not real monopolies, but let's admit that it's something like a monopoly, Google. But it's true, capitalism can lead to monopolies, but much more important, capitalism destroys the monopolies in the end. This happened time and again. Give you, I have some examples in my book. For example, there was 2007, a headline in European newspaper Guardian. The headline was, will MySpace ever lose its monopoly? And I <laughs> tell to young people, most of them, they were, MySpace haven't heard about it, yes? Yeah. And one year later, 2008, there was the front page of Forbes magazine was Nokia. Who will ever catch the cell phone king? Who has Nokia today? <laughs> so, and then there was uh, a Xerox at this time. Xerox for photocopies, they had a market share in the United States of 95%. I think today it's 2%. Jeez. Or there was, maybe you remember Kodak cameras. Uh -huh. 85% on the camera market and I think 80% on the film market. Later they get got bankrupt. Why? Because of competition. The only monopoly that is really dangerous is the state monopoly. And this is what I don't understand sometimes with socialists. In one moment you discuss about monopolies and they explain you how dangerous is the monopoly, capitalism leads to monopoly. Half hour later, you discuss with them about the economy, and then they are for nationalization of banks, for example. But this is the ultimate of monopoly. How can you be against monopoly and pro-socialism? Because socialism is 100% monopoly, the monopoly by the state. And this is the monopoly where it's the hardest to get rid of. It is, it is the ultimate monopoly. Yes. And instead of an economic monopoly where they can control prices and set prices and then you have to wait till another company comes in and throws its elbows and disrupts the market when there is a state monopoly if there's competition you break down the door with the secret police and you shoot them all in the head that's what state monopoly is there is no getting out of it as orwell said it is a boot on the face of a human forever that's what it is and now does it mean that having multiple monopolies battling each other, is that the best idea? Is that the best that thing that could ever happen? No, but it's reality. And as you said, comparing something to a book, yes, ideally, we would all hold hands. There would be no borders. We wouldn't have to lock our doors. We would have no cancer. We'd all have food and water, and we'd run around in the fields with the animals. Yes, in a heaven I idealistic utopia that's what would be 
I would also never age. My parents wouldn't get older, and I would still have my childhood dog. I would Happy wouldn't... day sunshine. Yes, but no that's, that's not the case. And it sucks, and I wish it was, but it's not the case. So you can't look at what things should be. You have to look at what they are. That doesn't mean that we can't always be striving to it. I hope in 200 years there's something even better than capitalism, sure. But you have to look at what we have now. You can't use that romantic novel and say, why don't we have this? No one has that. That's not reality. You have to look at what we have, and you have to look at history and look at what has happened. And when one ideology comes to power on a different continent, in a different country, amongst a different race of people over different decades, and the end result is always the same, millions and millions dead, that is a pattern that you cannot ignore Yet they want to ignore it time and time again. It is, it is, there is no other word for it other than irrational. It is detachment from reality. Absolutely. It's like I, in my book, I call anti capitalism, it's a political religion. And this is a pro- for the problem why it's hard. You know, I have the facts. So, yes, in this book, you find a lot of facts. But this anti-capitalism is based not in facts, it's based in emotions. So this is this is a problem. And this is the reason why, for example, I produced this film, Life Behind the Berlin Wall, because in a film, it's a little bit easier, you know, to to deal with some emotion as well. Because this is where left people are very good. I think we should learn in a way from socialists because they are better in marketing. They are better in PR than we are. Sure. They have such a crazy idea and they sell it. They sell this crazy idea as human and they, they position capitalism as inhuman, but it's the other way around. And so I think, you know, I, I was some weeks ago, I was in Greece and there were protesters, communists, left-wing extremists on the street. And I was there on my balcony of the hotel with my girlfriend and we watched there the demonstration and they had very beautiful songs. So I didn't understand it because I don't know the language, but it was very emotional songs. And then I said to my girlfriend, you see, there's a problem. I have the facts. They have the emotions. They have the emotions. We should learn something from, from them. The same as we started our discussion to be proud, to be pro capitalist or to be pro United States patriotic with your flag and not yeah I know it's a nation where we've done so many bad things of course every nation has done bad things in history and so and of course also United States but why is that that so many people want to go to the United States and no one want to go to North Korea for example because it's so bad you know they they, they call United States like every sexist, racist, and whatever. But if it is so terrible, why people from all over the world want to go to the United States when it's such a terrible country? Why is that? Well, that is, and therein lies the true reality of facts versus emotion, of speaking versus action. It's what is, everyone can criticize Walmart. Walmart's bad, they're driving out tiny businesses. But when you're in college and you don't have a lot of money, where are you going to go? You're going to Walmart to get the cheap noodles. And that is your actions. You can stand around all day and say, Walmart's bad. You're going to Walmart to get the cheap thing. That is reality. We can but, also. But, but by, the, 
Yes, by the way, Walmart is a perfect example. I read the uh, autobiography from Sam Walton, the founder uh -huh. of Walmart, a yeah. great book. Yeah. And you know how he, he, he was one of the richest men in the United States at, at his time. And why? Because his idea was how can consumer get cheaper, good products? This was how he became rich. This is the way how you become rich in capitalism. You do something good for other people. It's not about greed or something like this. It's about empathy. It's about giving something to people. He gave them the possibility to buy things much cheaper. We had the same in Germany. The richest men in Germany were for decades uh, two brothers, and they founded something similar to Walmart, a discounter where you could buy things in a good quality cheap. And I think this is great. So this is the way, uh, you know, socialists, they think that rich people become rich because they take something away from the poor. But this is nonsense. You, you, you become rich because you do something to fulfill the needs from other people. This is how capitalism works. And this, I have it in my book, something about it. That, that anti-capitalists, they believe in zero-sum thinking. With zero-sum thinking, I mean they believe that if someone becomes rich, it's only because he took away from the poor. But if this would be true, how to explain this fact? The number of people in poverty decreased in the last decades, like I mentioned before. It, it decreased from 42% in the beginning of the 80s worldwide to 9% today. The same time, number of billionaires increased. In 2000, we had 500 billionaires all over the world. Today, we have 2,700 billionaires. So if at the same time, the number of billionaires decrease, uh, the number of billionaires increase, the number of poor people decrease, there you see zero-sum thinking is it's stupid. It's wrong. If I'm on Instagram and I have a thousand followers and then that number goes up to 10,000. I did not take followers from anybody else. <laughs> but that yes. it, right. It yes, is, exactly. It, it is. That's one of the beautiful things about wealth is there's wealth creation. Unlike, unlike a physical reality where if I have this water bottle, it's mine and it's nobody else's. That is a, that is zero sum. Sure. With wealth and efficiency and economies of scale, the same plot of land that 200 years ago made some potatoes for some small family now with increased yield agriculture genetic engineering and with equipment and satellite data to watch climate change you can get more out of that same plot of land that is that is wealth increase you're making more for everybody the idea that you're taking something from someone else that's a caveman mindset I love it. Well explained and a good example, a good metaphor with this Instagram. Yes, it's true. This is they, they think it's only about an existing cake to distribute it. No, it's about how to get the cake bigger. bigger yeah, make more cake. More yeah. cake. And, and not about they think always, you know, if they speak about the economy, they speak only about more debt or more taxes. This is the only thing socialists, the only recipe, more debt more taxes and not how to create more wealth. Yeah, in, increase the actual, well, it comes down to the entire thing is creation, innovation, and personal incentive.
you have to have a reason to go and do something difficult. If there's no incentive for me, I'm going to do the most little amount of work I can do, and then I'm going to get drunk at night and go to bed. If I have the opportunity, if this podcast succeeds and I can do whatever I want, that's what's going to make me take the risk to go do something crazy like starting my own podcast where I'm the only employee. Risk is what makes it worth it. You go out and explore, and you you bring back the knowledge for everybody else. You don't go do it because out of the goodness of your heart, you take risk and do it. And it increases the size of the cake. Ultimately, I do think it comes down to the its self-reliance at its very fundamental core. It's like what you talked about with the girlfriend. Do you think the government's going to provide it? It is self-reliance or learned helplessness. It is, I can't do anything. I need someone else to do it, which is the antithesis of what it is to be a human coming from apes coming out into the fields and learning agriculture and inventing the wheel and fire and written language and boats and planes. It has been an uphill slog for 10,000 years from pyramids to 747s. The idea that we're all of a sudden going to go, I want someone else to do it for me. At any other time in human history, if you sat back and said someone else is going to do it for me, you'd you'd starve or you'd be beaten to death with a club. I don't know. Again, it's kind of it's kind of a catch twenty two. The luxury of capitalism is the freedom and the time to sit around and complain about capitalism. Yeah, It's it's a weird. It's a weird. It's a weird paradox that. I'll admit I don't have fully I don't I don't quite understand it but it is an odd thing. You have the freedom to sit around. You don't get jailed, you don't get sued, you don't get the secret police don't break into your house. It is the ultimate freedom to complain about the freedom. Absolutely absurd. I love your talk show. <laughs> I, I I wish you all success. It's really great. This is true true capitalism. True capitalism is to make your dreams come true. And, you know, I spoke about Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's from Europe. I admire him. It was his dream. His dream was always to go to the United States because this is capitalism here. And look, he came from a poor, his father was an ordinary policeman in Austria from a small village. And he could come there first, be the the best bodybuilder in the world, then being one of the best paid movie stars, action stars with Conan and Terminator and all this, then elected two times governor of California. This is the land of the dreams, you know, where where everything is is possible. This was the reason why he came there. And today, um, but I think if I speak with people like you, I have a lot of interviewers in the last weeks with a lot of radio talk shows. And I see, especially I love it, this radio talk shows, there's there's this entrepreneurial spirit and there's it's it's still alive in the United States. Of course, it's not in the government today. Yes, but in the peoples, I, th- I think there are still a lot of people. And this is, you know, why I wrote this book and why United States is so important. I was there a few weeks ago. I I will go there. For, I will go Thursday to Washington. Then I go to New York. Then I go to Boston to have my lectures there. Because you know, I have the time. I was entrepreneur. I've I founded my own company. I sold it seven years ago. Now I have enough money. I can do my research. I can write my books. 
I can travel and um, I hope I can make a little bit of contribution to what what entrepreneurs should do, but they don't do. This is a problem. In my opinion, the biggest problem is not this anti-capitalist and crazy cancel culture, woke and whatever people. No, the problem is the people who should defend capitalism, entrepreneurs, most of them, they are silent. Mm. This is the problem. They are silent. There are only few who speak up, but most of them are silent. And so it's good that there are people there like you who are not silent, who, who speak with people. And you, I see we are on the same page. You can explain it in, in simple words. And this is important to, to explain it because I think it's hard, will be hard to convince intellectuals because for intellectuals, this anti-capitalism, this is a political religion. I think mm. we should more reach out to, to ordinary people, to, to, to workers and so on. And, uh, I think in some way they can understand better than this intellectuals. And it is kind of uh, on the uh, on the on the topic of uh, entrepreneurs not defending capitalism. Again, it's this weird hedging of your bets. Of uh, I'm not going to say that I'm for capitalism. I don't want to. What they don't understand is that there is no negotiating with the crowd. The crowd hates you, whether or not you say. If Elon Musk comes out and says I'm against capitalism, they're still going to hate Elon Musk. They're going to hate you and everything you stand for regardless. So stand firm in what you believe in. There is no negotiating. There's a reason why we don't negotiate with terrorists, because it doesn't work. So come out and just say who you are, what you believe in. Say it respectfully, but don't cede, any, don't cede a single inch, because they're never going to go, oh, he's, he's a billionaire, but he says capitalism has some problems. No, they're going to keep eating at you until it's all gone. So don't be an idiot. Just stand firm. Say what you believe in. I met, I met last year, in I think it was in Miami. I met John Mackey, you know the the Whole Foods founder. Okay, you know him, Whole Foods founder. No, I, but I know I know Whole Foods. So yeah, yes, and he's also pro pro capitalism, and he he published an article I think in Wall Street Journal against Obamacare. And then the leftist, he told me what happened there. They were so crazy about it. And they, from, from boycott, and they don't buy any longer, only because he has a different opinion, only because he has a different. So I'm very proud. Uh, if you see here my book, even John Mackey, I, I, I sent him this book. And he, he, he wrote also, this is one of the, the best books, pro-capitalism. So I'm very proud. Because, you know, it's a lot of work to to write a book like this and in the end you don't make much money with with the book but for me it's so if i see there are people who understand it and who who give it to others and uh, and you know use it in their discussion if they discuss with anti-capitalists and i can guarantee everyone who reads this book will you can win every discussion with and every anti-capitalist because you have all all the facts there, all the facts. And on a on a on a final note, just kind of a personal observation. It is kind of funny that the wealthiest people from capitalism, I mean the real Carnegie, Rockefeller, Vanderbilt, they all tend to 
donate most of their money to philanthropy in the end anyway. <laughs> so it's like they're doing the idea anyway of giving back, of helping others, and they're doing it far more than anyone else could because they're using their capitalist gains, which is kind of funny. Yeah. It is. They tend to do something like that, and you're not going to get that from the government. You can have the person that increased the size of the cake. More often than not, they give back a lot of the cake. They build a medical school with their name on it. They build a hospital with their name on it. In the long run, that does more for society than anything, which is ridiculous. But even, you know, even this, anti-capitalists don't accept it because they say, no, we should tax them. <laughs> take all away so that the government can spend the money. But who believes that the government is able to spend money in a better way than they do? Who believe it? It's crazy. It's a crazy idea. It's... And, and, and it's crazy. You know, if you earn your own money as an entrepreneur and you want to keep the money, maybe they call you greedy. Yes, they call you greedy. But if you are someone you want to take the money away from tax rich, then okay, then you are social. No, yeah. I think you are greedy because you want to take money away from other people who work for this money. You are the greedy one, not the guy who worked or who founded his own company. Well, again, we're dealing with we're dealing with an obsession with a fantasy land utopia, and you're comparing it to reality. You're saying it should be this, that, and the other thing. You're comparing it to the reality, the physical reality we find ourselves in. So you're never going to make peace with them. It is an irrational pursuit. It is it is trying to discuss the importance of balancing a budget with a six-month-old. It doesn't, they're going to cry shit and go to sleep. It, it, it doesn't matter. They're not going to accept the idea. I think you just need to understand with who you're arguing and then move forward from there. I don't try to understand it. I don't try to understand their upside-down world of taking wealth from others is selfless, but keeping your own wealth is greedy. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't try to understand it. I just, I just go along my life and just, all right, no one's going to build this podcast for me. I'm going to do it on my own. I don't care. Great. That's I wish you success. Thank you, sir. I, I What's the time now? Yeah, no, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. We're coming up. Where, where, where are you now? Now I'm where in. I'm on the east coast. I'm in Portland, Maine. So it's six p.m. I'm right now. No, I'm in Berlin, and now it's exactly midnight. Oh yes. wow! So, I was gonna say, well, we landed on the nose at the end of the hour. So I say we wrap oh, this but, one up. But but it's but it's great. I loved it. Please please send me uh, the the link, the audio. Then I can share it with people here in. In Europe, because I like it very much. This conversation, I like to share. Please send me the link. Yes, sir. I will email it to you right now. And uh, thank you so much for coming on here. I'd love to talk with you again. You're a cool dude. You got a cool accent. And uh, <laughs> uh, Doctor Reiner Zittelman. It's so much cooler than Tommy Kerrigan. Yes. But um, your book, In Defense of Capitalism, that link is in the description. Guys, go check it out. Support the good guy. And uh, I'll send you the link. And I would love to have you on here again sometime. Great. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Have a great day. You as well, sir. Bye. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank Recording you for watching. Stopped. God bless. Stay safe. Peace.